Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. Well, it's a real privilege to be able to um, just open a Bible and carry on our teaching series this week. Uh, We've got one boy asleep and one is watching some TV. So hopefully we've got a solid 20 minutes. Um, But if not, then we'll muddle through and make it work. Um, So... Just as a, as a, I guess, by way of introduction, I guess we've just heard uh, the, the passage of the Bible in Corinthians that we've been uh, teaching through for quite a few weeks now, eight, eight weeks maybe. Um, and we're going to continue that this morning. Um, and we're matching along with this, with this passage, the book called Gracism um, by David Anderson, Dr. David Anderson, as Shreya reminded me. Um, and uh, yeah, I think one thing that we've noticed week to week um, as the series has gone by is that some things have been easier to say yes and amen to. I think some of the things that have been called out, they fit with our sort of multicultural, uh, I guess, Western liberal lens. Uh, and it makes sense to us, you know, when we talk about standing with others, having um, kind of a diverse group that we mix with, we can say, yep, really get that. Um, and I'm really supportive of that. But I think there are some, I think there have been some weeks, certainly for us, that have been more challenging. And I think those ones are definitely the ones where it has struck our, where it hasn't fit with our worldview, where it hasn't matched up cleanly with the way that we see things. So some of that is, you know, that idea of giving greater honour is at conflict with what the culture around us says uh, we should uphold. This idea of fairness, you know, that, you know, equal rights and we all deserve equal treatment, that, that kind of doesn't sit so comfortably with our idea of um yeah with with preferring other people we're saying no some people we're going to give greater honor to god gives greater honor to some parts of the body and i think this week is probably one of those weeks where it's a bit tougher where we've definitely found in going through it it's a challenge to our hearts because we're going to be talking about celebrating with others it's one of those ones where you can't just say hey i don't feel ill will towards someone therefore job done great, I'm, I'm doing God's work. It's one of those ones that really touches on uh, that active heart where we have to love people actively. Um, and I think those things are always harder for us to work through. Um, so I say that just by way of as a sort of intro to the intro, really, just to be to be challenged, to be open, to be challenged that some of what um, we're going to share is doesn't necessarily sit with our worldview, um, but um, it comes straight out of the Bible. Cool. So the relevant verse today is 1 Corinthians, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. What this means is not only are we called to share in people's suffering, uh, we are also called biblically to share in their celebration. The bar is even higher than serving people when it is clear that they are in need. Um, The bar is to go over and above. Sometimes that is not a problem. Um, Otis is nine months old and he has just learned to copy you if you stick, stick your tongue out at him. So a bit of this and then he goes, it's very funny. We all clap, very cheerful. I find it very easy to celebrate that because it's delightful. He's my son, I love him. I don't always have that reaction if somebody else sticks their tongue out at me. That's not always a cause for celebration. Um, why is that? Why do we find it harder to celebrate some people doing something when it's it's clearly something to celebrate with someone else? Um, I think 
it's not always true, but often, usually, when we struggle to, to, to find joy and to celebrate with, with someone, it's because we are thinking more about the thing to be celebrated and not the person that we're celebrating with. We don't always find it easy to uh, get ourselves excited because we're thinking about the, bar, the, the success or the joy or the achievement and not the person. And in that, the problem is we've missed the call to rejoice with the body. Either we think the thing is so amazing and so fantastic that we want it for ourselves. And so we're struggling to be happy for someone else when we're thinking about us, or we think so little of it that we don't understand what the fuss is about and it's kind of irrelevant. Um, and so we're gonna look at each of those two things in turn. Yeah. Cool. So the first thing of those, why, why is it so hard? Why is it a struggle for us? Why does this touch on um, a nerve when it seems sort of straightforward, this idea of celebrating with others who say, yeah, that's something I would want to do. First area in which that becomes hard, as Shreya said, is I think it's where things that we would celebrate for ourselves, things that we think we would deserve or things that sometimes where we think someone else doesn't deserve it it becomes very hard to try and celebrate with others. And I think underlining that is a sense of insecurity, how what other people have affects us. You know, what other people have, if they've got it, I can't have it. Or it might be that uh, what someone else has affects the way I see what I have, just my dissatisfaction. And so in that first instance, is there's this underlying view that, it's kind of like a zero, what we call like a zero sum game. If you've got it, I can't have it. So it might be like a, like a promotion at work. Someone gets the promotion, they get the job. That means I don't get it. How do we, that's really hard to celebrate something where it's something I've wanted and now they've got it and I can't have it. Or maybe it's, it may be close to home. It, you know, there's, you know, someone, a single person at church gets married and you think, well, there's one less single person in the church that might marry me that's a really tough thing to try and work through. They feel like if it's true for them, it can't be true for me. But I think there are also things where our, we start to question what, what God's got for us, where we start to question what God's apportioned for us. So, you know, we might look at someone else's kids and we, you know, we think, wow, they're really well behaved. What a great, well-disciplined kid. That's fantastic. But our heart attitude, we find it hard to celebrate because we look at maybe our kid and we think, oh, why? Why has God given me a kid that really struggles with obedience? That's really hard. Or it might be that, you know, we look at someone who has a, you know, self-discipline, they're great with their eating and they keep in shape and they're just really good at, you know, treating their body as a temple and you really struggle with it. You just feel like you've been given a, a body and, and, and self-control challenges and you just think, that's just not fair. How can I celebrate what you've got when I feel that sort of unfairness? And I think ultimately we find those circumstances quite hard to deal with um because we, we lose sight of the fact that god is the provider of all good things we don't trust his plan we don't trust in his sovereignty and actually we start to put our desires and what we want and the things that we deserve above what we know to be true which is that god's in charge that he will work out things for his glory that all good things come from him and i think the the bit of the bible that really touches the nerve on that is the story of the parable of the prodigal son, the two sons, the first son who 
gets his father's wealth and heads off and comes back and is received with open arms by the father. And there's a huge celebration, massive celebration, amazing. And the second son hears about, he comes in from the field where he's been working and he can't celebrate, he doesn't join in. He refuses to go into the celebration. And he stands outside and the father comes out to him and he has this big confrontation with the father where he says, you know, why, you know, why are you throwing this big party for him? You know, I've been here all this time. And the father says to him, and I love this response, he says, all that is mine is yours. That's always been the case. All that is mine is yours. And the second son has always had access to that. He's always had uh, everything that the father had apportioned. But it's a dissatisfaction with what God's doing, a dissatisfaction with God's plan, ultimately, and his sovereignty that leads us to a place of bitterness and envy, really. And so often this bitterness and envy, and this ties in quite closely with this particular series, it, it can take the form of, you know, bitterness and envy about someone's race, their culture, their ethnicity, because so often those are the things that are the forefront of uh, people's outward identity. They're so easy for us to notice. And what can start out as, oh, I don't really want to celebrate that thing that's going well in that person's life, or I don't want to celebrate the thing that that community uh, is seeing great joy in or great thriving in. Um, it can start out like that, but actually it becomes very quickly about race or ethnicity or culture because those are such great outward workings of what we see of people. And so you might think, well, I'm a long way for that attitude, actually. You know, I, yeah, you know, what, what might just be a passive, I don't really want to celebrate, I don't want to actively step in. Actually, we find very quickly that that can descend into bitterness and envy. And the Bible is full of those examples. So you just have to, you know, kind of have a flick through of those stories. And they're everywhere. And we think of Joseph and his brothers. Joseph declares to his brothers that God's got these plans for him and you know, the, the end result is that the brothers work themselves up into such a frenzy and hatred about what God's doing in his life. You know, they don't want to celebrate, but then it becomes active in their hatred and they end up selling him into slavery. Or we think of Cain and Abel, where God blesses what Abel has, has, has given him as an offering. And Cain's response, it starts out as a complaint. Oh, you know, why are you not celebrating what I'm doing? And it descends into murder, ultimately. And we think of uh, in Samuel where David dances before the Lord and he has this big party uh, and he comes home to his wife and she just lambasts him for kind of, you know, just celebrating, partying too hard. And ultimately what leads to her, you know, in the end, she ends up in a place where she no longer has children. We don't know why, but there are serious consequences. God takes really seriously this heart of bitterness and envy and where that leads to. And the truth is that celebration of others is a great defense is a great guard against that there's a great warning in james to the church um james 4 uh, verse 2 it says you desire and do not have so you murder you covet and cannot obtain so you fight and quarrel you do not have because you do not ask you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions and the warning there is that you know the failure to celebrate with others with our brothers and sisters in their successes in what god is doing in their lives what we miss out on actually is this antidote to the to the sin of evil kind of envy and bitterness that creeps in where satan gets a foothold and it leads to quarrels the warning to the church is this leads to quarrels leads to infighting leads to division and ultimately it leads to death and so celebration of others of other cultures 
of other ethnicities, but beyond that into other people's lives. Even when it's something we desire, even when we're at conflict because we feel like that's something we want, actually it really humbles us to do that. It acknowledges that God's plans are superior to ours, that he's in charge, that he's the one who gives good things, that he apportions blessings. And that's a really important thing for us in understanding why we find it hard to celebrate with others, but how we overcome that. Okay. Um, the second reason we might find it hard to celebrate is that we don't see that thing that's happened in someone else's life as a cause for celebration. So either our, sorry, either our bar for success is so high that we just don't see it as an achievement. So, you know, if I'm training for a marathon and then Brooke's like, oh my days, I just did a 5K. I'm just not seeing like, it just doesn't, it doesn't match up to what I think is, is worth celebrating. Or the goalposts could be completely different. Like, you know, I'm training for a marathon and then Brooke does a crossword. Like, so brilliant, you know, what's the fuss all about? Either way, in either instance, I'm concerned, I'm underwhelmed by the object of celebration rather than with my love of the person. We're more preoccupied with that thing falling short of our measures of success uh, with the worldview that we have rather than the brother or sister who it concerns. Um, that can look like different things. So it might look like um, thinking that you don't have a role to play on Nations Day because that's a, that's a day designed to celebrate other cultures. It might look like uh, not understanding the fuss when some, you know, a friend of yours who has a really stressful full-on job tells you that they spent the whole weekend binge watching The Crown, like, missing that you know they had that time for themselves it might look like your friend who's just gotten into a sport that you're already really good at uh setting a new personal best for themselves that that maybe is easier for you in all of these instances the differences between ourselves and that person uh race ethnicity relationship status parenthood employment athleticism those differences have made us indifferent we've forgotten that the joy that we think is insignificant is a huge deal for our brother or sister. Um, you know, we've, by failing to, to give value to that, that thing, we fail to give value to that person. Now, God is, God is really clear in the Bible about what he thinks of this um, and that he uses things that we think little of to humble us. In 1 Corinthians, he says, um, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong, dot, dot, dot so that none can boast in his presence. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells us what, what we do for the least of him, we do for him. We are called to celebrate good gifts that God has given us, or God has given our brothers and sisters, even when they don't measure up to our, our understanding of success, to firstly, to lift, to lift God up, because he's lifting the least of us up, we're lifting him up. And the second is to humble ourselves to remind ourselves where these good things come from. This isn't just an issue of being polite. It's, it's much, much bigger than that. Our failure to celebrate with who we think is the least of us is a problem because we've lost sight of the fact that they bear the image of God just as much as we do, that they have a unique value that they bring to the kingdom that we do not. If we really honestly, honestly believe that that person who we think is different or less or you know what's all the fuss about if they really bear the image of God then what is happening in their life is on par with the best that can happen for us it's as urgent it's as delightful 
it's a matter of recognizing the fullness of God's glory on earth. It's in, it's seeing God's care for obedient children when that dad in church who, you know, maybe raises his kids a bit differently to you, um, has a breakthrough where their child is obedient on something that they've been struggling with. It's seeing God care, God cares for our bodies in the mom who's like really excited about Nike's new range of maternity workout clothes. It's seeing God's delight in our worship when someone brings a foreign language song or a word in, in worship in person or on Zoom. These are things to be excited about because they're opportunities to lift up God's characteristics in all of us. Um, I'm just going to give a couple of examples. Uh, the first is the story of the Samaritan woman um, who shows, I think, how we can fall, for, fall short when we underestimate the cause for celebration, when, you know, it's, it's not enough for us. Um, so in the story, Jesus is sitting by the well, the disciples have gone off uh, into town to get some food, and the Samaritan woman comes to draw some water from the well and he asks her for a drink. And then they have a conversation, Jesus shares the gospel, and she comes to believe what he has to say about the living water. The woman immediately, she goes off and starts telling uh, people in her town about, about Jesus. Uh, meanwhile, the disciples get back and they're like, they're very much preoccupied with the food. And, and they see that they've, you know, Jesus has had this conversation, but they don't ask the question of, oh, what's going on? And so, you know, he's like, they're like, Rabbi, eat something. And Jesus says, his food is to do the will of God. Um, and he says, I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. They have completely missed the point that uh, this woman who that, you know, they're like, you know, she's, she's a Samaritan. She has received the kingdom and now immediately she's gone off and she's, she's uh, sharing it. The woman's testimony led many others in the town uh, to come to believe in Jesus, but the disciples were missing that harvest because they didn't see the value of the woman. They missed the fact that she might be this massive gateway to sharing the gospel in this community. The second example, <laughs> the second example is a bit closer to home and it's how, how Brooke missed the point one Valentine's Day. It's all forgiven now uh, <laughs> um, because he thought it was just irrelevant. It wasn't about it falling short of his bar of success. It was just irrelevant to him. Um, Brooke has always been really conscious of not falling into the trap of doing things just because they're a cultural norm and that's a really good thing and as Christians we're called not to settle for cultural norms like that's not our that's not our bar for how we live so that's absolutely right we don't want to make an idol out of commercial holidays and <laughs> whatnot but for me it's still a reason to celebrate our relationship and you know go see a movie go out for a nice date something to just it's a it's a chance to celebrate us now marriage and so a couple of years ago I was like five or six months pregnant with Naaman and there wasn't exactly a build-up to Valentine's Day there was no like conversations about tickets to Paris nothing like that nothing was going on so I was like all right fine you know what it's not a big deal I'm not going to put it on a pedestal fine I wake up in the morning there's no card I was like okay all right a bit disappointed but I just as I was going out for work, I just said some sort of joke about, hey, maybe buy me some chocolates. It's, it's Valentine's Day. Then the day goes by and <clears throat> there were no chocolates. There was nothing. And I was a little bit sad, but there it was. <laughs> now, I know that Brooke loves me and he prefers me and our marriage is on a pedestal because it is ordained by God. I, I know that that's his heart. But because he was more concerned with 
how not important Valentine's Day is, he lost sight of the fact that it was a chance to celebrate with me. It was a chance to nourish our relationship and to celebrate us in a way that nevertheless was not meaningful to him. Clearly, Brooke is alive, here to tell the tale. <laughs> uh, so there must be something we can do. There must be some way that we can um, go about this. Um, this year on Valentine's Day, I gave birth to Otis. So marking the end of Valentine's Day in this house. And it means that Brooke can live to fight another day and tell you what to do. Cool. Um, so what, what do we do about it? Those are the things that are hard. Um, and there are, I think, ways, instructions there in terms of how do we, how do we deal with our heart, whether it's putting, getting the right perspective on God's sovereignty. Um, there are ways that we can deal with our heart. And, and the Bible is really clear that in this world where we're bombarded with different standards of success, different, um, different things that we're told to uh, give praise to, things that are worth celebrating, you know, I think that that bit in Romans where it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's really, really powerful here because we have a lot of work, especially in, you know, inner city London, where there's a really dominant culture of the things that we should praise, the things that we should celebrate. There's a lot of work to get ourselves in the right mindset to see the world the way that God does. And I think the first thing, just practically, and Shreya will kind of just finish off after this. I just, I think practically for me, it looks like trusting God with working out the specifics and allowing yourself to lean in, um, to fall forward, I guess, um, and not to be a cynic. So, you know, take that example um, that Shreya's just shared. This It's really easy to be a cynic on the sidelines and say, I can see the flaws in that. That's not a good thing to celebrate. Um, it's a much harder thing to fall forward, to lean in, to celebrating with others, to see... Uh, the joy that it brings other people um, and to see that as an opportunity to build up the body. Um, it says in Matthew, um, and Jesus shares the parable about the weeds, you know, the weeds and the wheat, you know, the wheat is sown in the field and someone goes out in the night and they, you know, are a vandal and they sow weeds amongst it. And in the morning they come and say, oh, they've sown weeds, should we go out and should we pull up the weeds? And, you know, Jesus tells the disciples like, hey, no, don't go around pulling up the weeds. I'm sowing good work. There's good works amongst this. Um, and where you pull up the weeds, you'll also pull up stuff that I'm sowing that's good. Um, there's a day coming, judgment day will come, in which I will separate out the good from the bad. And you need to trust me with that. And I think it's one of these issues where um, when it comes to celebrating with others, you know, we need to be in other people's lives to understand, you know, what's going on. We need to be shaped by them and we need to trust them that they're walking with God, that they're hearing from God, that we can lean into celebrating with them without being a cynic, without being passive and sitting on the sidelines. And I guess I would just say this as a little bit of a little bit more controversial, but I felt like things like, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, um, you know, I've experienced people, you know, close to me who have kind of looked at that and been and become skeptical, become cynical because they've looked at the political movement and they don't like it. Um, and I think, you know, we, of course, we're called to be discerning. We're called to be sensitive about these things and hear from God. We don't want to just follow blindly. But I think we are called to celebrate with others and where we see opportunities for others to be uplifted, where we can step in and celebrate with others and say this is, you know, something like this, a movement that puts on a pedestal people's concerns. You know, we can lean into that and we can trust that there's a side, you know, anything that is not of God, he will deal with. 
that he will bring judgment to and to live on the front foot with this, not to be passive and be a cynic on the sideline. The second thing I think that we can do, yeah? Yeah. Is to not assume, to not assume what celebration looks like for someone um, and also not to assume that <clears throat> if you do see celebration that it's sufficient. Um, we cannot outsource our responsibility to rejoice with a different part of the body to the people that are closer to that person. The thing to remember is we're not really celebrating the thing, like whether we think it's fantastic or not, the, we're celebrating God's work in that person's life, we're celebrating God's image and God's good gifts. Um, <clears throat> and equally on the flip side, like the celebration that I might bring, that has value too. I might bring a word or a song or an encouragement that no one else does. And that is why the body is designed that it, the way that it is so that we can rejoice with our gifts and our uniqueness in, in the parts that are unique themselves. Um, finally though, and the most powerful thing I think that we can do is to draw close to God, read the Bible, pray, get rooted in the gospel. Jesus was perfect. He was above all of us. We are less than, every single one of us is far less than him. Um, and yet he celebrated not just with us, but in us, <clears throat> as broken and as sinful as we are. He died to be able to celebrate and rejoice with us in heaven. And that is the bar, that is the bar for celebration. Um, he's not asking of us something that he didn't do himself. And walking in this truth, by drawing close to him, by, by reading the Bible, by praying, by being in relationship with him, um, allowing the Holy Spirit to shape our lives in the everyday. That is, that is the way to let our hearts be shaped. Amazing. Um, cool. Well, we're going to take a moment just to, just to pray. Um, and I guess uh, if there are things that, um, that we've shared there that, that hit close to home, that you want to bring to Jesus um, to repent of or to um, just to feel encouraged by um, just to see that um, there's a there's a there's a God that, that died for us that um, that calls us to to be the sort of people that love people in this radical way is you know that's just exciting there's something to be inspired by um, so yeah you do business um, with with God in that way but I'll just pray to close um yeah jesus we just want to thank you um above all uh, that you set us such a wonderful example um that you walk this earth you are the high priest that knows exactly what it's like to face all of the temptations that we do and to be victorious um uh, and i thank you lord that you just set us a wonderful example of what it is to love each other radically um no matter how different we are from each other no matter what race we're from, culture we're from, ethnicity, Lord God, you, um, yeah, you just really show us a radical way to, to love each other. And um, I thank you, Lord God, that this message of your gospel is that we, no matter who we are, no matter what we have had to offer, no matter how much what we feel like we can contribute, Lord God, it's, it's nothing in comparison uh, to what you've done for us. Mm. And we would never match up. It's not fair that you uh, took the took the blame for our sin, Lord God, but you did it so willingly in your desire to count us as co-heirs with you. Um, just that's just such wonderful love. And I just, Lord God, I just thank you for this, I guess, uh, almost a warning of um, 
uh, within your church of how how important this stuff is. Lord God, this morning um, that where where we don't get this right in terms of celebrating with one another in their successes, where we overlook things because the people aren't important to us because we've mistaken um, the things as being more important than the people. Lord God, I just ask that you would um, that you would discipline us. Lord God, we are your children. And you are kind and loving to us, but you you say that you discipline your children and you correct our hearts. And I just pray, Lord God, where there are people that are hurting, where they feel overlooked, where they feel like they don't stack up with the world's measure of success. Lord God, I pray that in this church, they would find such love. They would find such celebration of who they are um, because we choose to do it in a radical way and follow your example. And I pray for us, Lord God, as people that maybe have ventured into that i'm sure we all have that that envy and, and bitterness towards others that um the, the the desiring of things lord god and not trusting trusting you with your bigger purposes and plans lord i just humble us i pray we would be a humble people that realize uh, the truth of what it is you know that everyone is made in your image that we would know that uh, every person um, is special to you, um, that they have such significance, Lord God, and, and what that means in terms of how we love people. Lord God, please come and shape our hearts. I pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.